Welcome to the ride. Life, Work, and Wealth Podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. Just the name, Tax-Free Savings Account. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? You can set aside money tax-free throughout your lifetime. And it is a great idea if you don't make some simple mistakes. Your host, Chris DeRoe, has six specific items to consider. Chris, this is kind of scary, but let's start with number one. Yeah, thanks, Patrice. And just before I touch on that, I'll just get into just, we'll just summarize really quick. So tax-free savings account, any of my clients, like I talk about this all the time because it's such a valuable tool, but let me just explain. We'll just touch on exactly what it is in case someone isn't 100% sure. So what it is, is it's a registered plan. It allows you to save up a certain amount of money each year without paying taxes on the growth you receive, which is obviously in Canada, extremely important. This The TFSA basically came into existence in 2009. And if you were 18 years old, as of that date, your total lifetime contribution limit as of now this year, 2022, is $81,500. So basically, yeah, if if you had already maxed out the previous year, last year, you would have had $6,000 of extra contribution room this year. But the total is $81,500. A lot of people, they see the word savings and tax-free savings accounts. The first thing they think of is it's a place to just basically sock away cash for like short-term things, vacation, paying their taxes, or like a rainy day fund. Not the best idea, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but the TFSA, it is an ideal investment account to use that power of compounding interest that we've heard throughout school and many times of how powerful compound interest is. And it's the TFSA is just such an important tool because there's no other place you can grow money tax-free and then withdraw tax-free. And just because of how important it is, that's what I want to touch on is those six mistakes. So, or yeah, six things to avoid anyways. So we'll touch on the first one, Patrice. And the first one is beneficiary designation. And I say this is kind of scary because you would think this is a very simple thing to do. Yeah. And the thing is like for our clients, we deep, we, it's automatic. We know to do this. It's just, if people are doing this on their own or they're not sure, it's just good. They want to double, definitely, definitely double check this. So the options you have when naming a beneficiary on a TFSA is, well, one is just a beneficiary and one, the other one is a successor holder. So you really only have two options on if, on this, if you have a spouse or common law spouse. And if you do, you want to make sure that they are named as a successor holder. The difference is, is if your spouse is listed as a beneficiary, they sure, they get the money, but if they don't have enough room in their own TFSA to shelter what's now coming from your TFSA, if you're deceased, then it you can't hold it all in a tax-free savings environment. Basically, the deceased's TFSA is getting shut down. If the TFSA holder names their spouse, or once again, common law partner is a successor holder, 
Then on death of the TFSA for the deceased, the spouse essentially becomes the new holder of that tax-exempt account, TFSA, and it's now can be blended into theirs. So basically, it all stays within one tax-free savings account. And it's all done without affecting the contribution room of the living spouse. So let me, that might have been a little bit hard to follow. So let me just give you an example. You max out the room this year, it's 81500 for both of you. And they're maxed out and then one of you dies. And the other one is named as a beneficiary. Well, the 81500 would go to the living spouse, but that spouse would not be able to put that money in their TFSA. Even though they would still receive that money tax-free, they would not they would they wouldn't be able to invest they have to now invest it basically in a non-registered account if they want to keep it invested and now that 81,500 is going to be taxed on any growth compared to if they moved it to their own TFSA and having it continue to grow tax free now basically if the individual was able to shelter all of this you have now $163,000 in your one TFSA that's completely tax sheltered and that makes a big difference too for retirees because eventually when you start taking this money out, if it's still all within the TFSA, it doesn't do things like claw back your OAS and all that other stuff. So it, it, cause it just simply doesn't count as income. So it's really important that if you have a spouse that you name them as a successor holder. One other thing I'll touch on is also if you were, say you were named your spouse and your name is a beneficiary on your spouse's TFSA, when they pass away, because there's delays and things with probate and getting the estate settled and all that, before the proceeds for that TFSA even got released to you in that, if there's any growth after the date of death and you're a beneficiary, that difference is now taxable. However, if you're the successor holder, it's not. So that's also another thing to uh, be aware of. So the takeaway here is just if you have a spouse or common law partner, absolutely name them as a successor holder. That was quite a bit on it. That was quite a bit on just a beneficiary, <laughs> but it's an important one. But that is very clear now. And that's almost a no brainer. Now that you know that, you know what to do. Yeah. So the second one is what I kind of touched on here is it is don't use your TFSA as a high interest savings account. Uh, as I mentioned that at the beginning. Now that may sound like a bit of a oxymoron since the title of the tax-free savings account is has savings account in the name, but just hear me out for a second. So when I mentioned the, the TFSA first came out back in 2009, I remember when that came out because the banks, they had signs, they were pushing it out huge because it was a big deal. But the kind it was kind of a bit of the wrong message because especially with the word high interest savings and how that was all working was many people were going and opening them and just thinking, okay, uh, it just means I'm putting my money in. I'm going to get a high interest savings of one to 3% roughly at that time. TFSAs, they're, as we mentioned, they're so valuable because especially now, as we know, CRA is going to keep increasing taxes because of the, the post-COVID environment and everything else. It makes these tax-free savings accounts even more valuable today than before because as taxation increases, well, it, they become more valuable because there is no tax on it. And there's very there's next to nothing that we can grow um, completely tax-free. As well, too, if you're a high income earner, tax free savings accounts are even more valuable to you than, say, someone that, like, like an example, say you make $150,000. Well, your TFSA is going to be more valuable than someone who makes $50,000 a year just simply due to the marginal tax rate. 
So basically what I'm getting at here is since it's such a valuable tool, you want to make sure you're getting good growth within it since getting one or 2% your TFSA is not going to be life altering, changing your net worth by much at all. This tool should be used as an investment tool, not a savings tool. It should be a long-term investment inside these, these accounts. Uh, I wish they originally had called them tax-free investment accounts as opposed to savings accounts because then people would more understand that, okay, I, I'm not going to just use it as a savings account. So my takeaway here is just to make sure that it's used as a more long-term growth tool and to make sure you're using investments that have potential for more growth than just simply a high interest savings amount of one to 3% type thing. Now I will touch on my disclaimer here is though, is though you must still invest within your risk level. So Yes, this all sounds great, but if you're risk adverse, it doesn't mean, okay, go crazy risky outside your personal comfort with risk and invest in something within your TFSA you're not comfortable with at all. That doesn't make sense. The point here is if you're already a balanced or a growth investor and you understand what that risk level is like, well, don't just leave your TFSA sitting in something that doesn't align with that, that thinking that it needs to sit in something making a low interest rate. Because like I said, there's very, very few things the government gives us to grow wealth completely tax-free. Number three, so contributing and withdrawing in the same year. Basically, you want to be careful with this since you may have a bunch of cash in the beginning of the year and you max out your TFSA. Great. So you say you've contributed up to the max $81,500 for this year. Well, now you want to buy something a few months later. So you maxed out your available TFSA room in January. Perfect. However, it's April, and now you decide you want to take $50,000 out to, let's say, buy a boat for the summer. Take the money out, you start shopping, and then you're like, well, with all these crazy COVID prices, you now don't want to buy the boat, and the market's now come down since you pulled your money out, and you want to put it back in the TFSA because you're like, oh, I don't want to just have all this money sitting in my bank account doing nothing. Well, you can't until now the following calendar year. You have to wait till the next January before you can deposit that money back in. So it's just something to be aware of since you can't treat the TFSA like a, a bank account with the, the putting money in, taking it out, putting it in, taking it out when you're near the contribution limits. This kind of ties into number four, which is like withdrawing planning, like planning your withdrawals from your tax-free savings account. It's kind of all blended into one. So like as I said, I just mentioned, you need to be careful with putting money in and pulling it out in the same year. When you know you're going to need money early in the following calendar year, it makes a lot of sense to just pre-plan this in regards to your TFSA if the source of the funds will be coming from this account. So if you know you have ex big expenses coming up in the beginning of next year and the majority of that's coming from your tax-free savings account, you want to plan for that. So an example that uh, is that we deal with many retirees here. And when we're discussing cash flow for the following calendar year, when we, we're meeting people in the fall and going through our planning process... We ask them, okay, cash flow for next year. What does that look like? Are, is there any lump sums needed for any big expenses coming up? If so, where is it coming from? And is any of it coming from the TFSA? Many times for a lot of retirees, it's a deposit on a trip. So since we know they will need the money early in the next calendar year, or even in the calendar year next year, we make sure to advise them that we want to pull that money out of the TFSA towards the end of the year so basically in the fall, this November, December, we would advise them just to consider pulling that money out now for the following year. 
And the reason for this is because if something changes and all of a sudden they don't need the money in, in the next year, or they come into a lump sum of money in the new calendar year, we've protected their contribu contribution room by good planning. Let me give you an example. And this really came into play actually over the last couple of years, just because of COVID screwing up so many people's travel plans. So my clients would let me know they needed money for trips in the new year. So we'd take the money out November, December, around then. Then in the new year, they found out the trip or the trips that they were planning were not going to happen due to cancellations or health coverage issues for the insurance or just simply people not deciding they felt comfortable to travel. Well, since we did the pre-planning, they were able to take the money, have it, be prepared. And then now the choice of, okay, we're canceling the trip. We're not going to use it. Well, now they can put it back in their tax-free savings accounts. So that's just an important thing to take into consideration when you know that you're going to be pulling money out to pre-plan that. All right. So number five, moving along. The next one is basically not recognizing or understanding how market gains and losses can impact your future contribution rooms in tax-free savings account. Now, earlier today, I mentioned about not holding your money in a TFSA and only sitting in high interest savings, making one or two or 3%, and that you want to invest it in something that makes more so you gain the full advantage of the tax-free savings accounts because like I said, there's only so much room and there's very few things that we can grow tax-free. So you want to take advantage of that. But of course, still needs to fit your individual risk. The other mistake could be going too far the other way since if you hold investments in your TFSA, ultra aggressive, trying to hit a home run and shoot the lights out and you say it's you can't take the pressure and or, you need to, or now you need the cash, and the TFSA is significantly down because of a, a bad market, and you pull that money out while it's down, while well, you've now decreased your tax-free savings account room. So keep in mind, you cannot use this as a capital loss for tax purposes either. You don't get it both ways. You don't get a tax-free, and if you pull it out and it's down, that you can now have that capital loss to claim your taxes. Doesn't work like that. How your TFSA changes in value can make a significant difference in how much or how little you'll be able to contribute in the future. So basically a drop in the value, it leaves less capital there to withdraw. And because you can't recontribute more than you withdraw, a market loss essentially shrinks your future contribution room if you pull it out. So let me, I just, I know this can be sometimes be tough listen to a podcast going, going through numbers and things like that. So let me just give you an example that may help. Let's assume that you maxed out $81,500 this year in contribution room. And now you unexpectedly, you need the money, but due to the market, it's down to $50,000. If you were, if you withdraw that remaining value of 50,000, you're eligible to recontribute only $50,000 going forward. Now, each year there's an additional, as of now, the government allows an additional $6,000 a room, but I'm just trying to simplify this. So you put in 81,500 this year, market goes down. It's only worth 50. You need the money, you pull it out. Next year, you can't put that 81,500 back in. It's the actual amount that you pulled out, which was the 50,000. So you've lost now permanently that contribution room available to you. However, on the flip side of this is when your TFSA does well, does the opposite. For example, the value of your original contribution of, we'll use the same numbers, 81,500 rises to say 95,000. Well, you withdraw that and you can now 
recontribute that higher amount of $95,000. So the market gains raise your future contribution room. And we're just talking about this because it, right now the market we're currently in, the markets are down. So we're just advising people on that just so they're aware that, hey, if you have to take it from here and you need the cash flow, you need the cash flow. However, be aware, this is how much it's going to potentially affect your contribution room going forward. So the takeaway here is if you're likely to withdraw from your TFSA, just consider the effects the market moves can have on that future contribution room. And then carefully decide which investments have the right amount of risk. So this is why you need to have a plan for all your accounts, such as your TFSA, your cash accounts, your RSPs. What's the purpose? When do I plan to access this money? And what risk level is appropriate for those time horizons and purposes I've labeled to those accounts? This is just why it's so important to understand your risk level and what you're invested in. So there's no surprises when things come up. And that was... That was number five. That was number five. <laughs> so we're looking at number six now, Chris. Yeah. So last one, one might seem like common sense, but I've just, I've just seen it. So I want to mention it. Keeping money in a tax-free savings account when you have debt with high interest rates. So what we'll see is, and like I said, it might seem obvious, but we'll see people that have tax-free savings accounts and then we're going through stuff and we're like, well, you have... Uh, unsecured line of credit, or even worse, a credit card or car loan at a high interest rate. And so let's say they have 5,000 in a tax-free savings account, and it's been making, especially if it's in in the savings part that we don't want you to have it, and making one, three, four percent whatever, just a low interest rate. And meanwhile, you're paying your credit card, well, credit cards are 21%, or car loans, or unsecured line of credits, especially in this interest rate environment, they're higher. So it doesn't make sense to hold money in your tax for savings account if you're only making a bit of interest and paying the higher interest on the debt. And it, it's like it becomes more of a psychological thing for people. Um, they keep holding the TFSA because, no, I'm not touching that. I don't want to cash that out because that's their savings. And they figure, well, if I cash that, that out, I'm losing. Well, you are losing since it's costing you to hold that tax for savings account because the debt interest you're paying is higher than what you're making on the tax for savings account. And that's eating up more cash flow and decreasing your net worth. So it's best to take the money from the TFSA and just and pay off the debt and basically reset. I tell clients in this situation, it's better to pay off the debt and then start over with the TFSA and now not have the high interest debt that they're paying for each month. By doing this, it just saves you money on the interest you were paying. And now you can take the money you were paying on interest and have it start to grow in the tax-free savings account as you start it up again. It's, as I mentioned, it's important just to watch the interest rates on many loans because they, we just had another interest rate hike the other day. They just keep going up. One thing I will add though, is if you're invested properly in your tax-free savings account and you have a market downturn like now, that's not what I'm saying is, oh, well, okay, it's been doing great, but this year, oh, it's down. I'm going to cash it out and pay the interest. No, you want to give that time to recuperate. I mean, for the people that have consistently been getting a lower interest rate in their TFSAs and holding them on something as getting that lower interest rate and having still debt, those are the, the scenarios I'm talking about here. And that's, there you have it, Patrice. I, that's my, yeah, I went through all six there. You did indeed. <laughs> And they were fantastic. I appreciate it. Never knew a TFSA was so complicated, actually. 
So if listeners do have questions, Chris, and they want to reach you, how can they do that? They can they can go through my just my website as always, threeoutsfinancial.ca, and you can just contact me through there. All right, then. If you like the episode, of course, follow Chris's podcast and share with friends and family. I'm Patrice Sikora, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.